Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Further onward. Yeah. 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 Everything's fine. It's all right. Uh, Welcome to the game. show, everyone. Hey, how's it going, y'all? Everything is fine. Oh, we're on already? Remain calm. No? Yeah, we are. Hell yeah, we're oh. on. Welcome okay. to the Godcast Goy. Well, it's okay that it's been recording. Like, we don't need... All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We're back with uh, Haley, Noah, Alex, obviously me, Luke. Um, we're doing chapter three of Genesis, the fall of man. Um, and, uh, this is, this is the famous story that's got apples, it's got snakes, it's got naked people. Before we dive in, it's got that, you clothes got people. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yeah, There's people yeah, in our yeah, audience. Yeah. That's not cool, man. <laughs> All right. Do you guys want to just jump right in? Well, actually, I just gotta say one thing. I'm impressed by humanity for making it three chapters. <laughs> to be real, let's let's give it up for humanity for making three well, chapters. I wouldn't expect them to make it for he, one page. Humanity's no. only been around for two chapters. Well, well point, I mean, you make a solid point there. One point five. Yeah, maybe point five. Calvinists yeah. might have a no. different view on that. I don't know. Like <laughs> Calvinists don't. <laughs> uh, what a weird sex. Are there still Calvinists? Yeah, yeah. yeah in Texas, I know there's a lot of Calvinists in like the South in general. Longevity. I like this, it. Do you actually have a lot of hot takes on this chapter we're about to read? So, well, you know, it's about predestination and yeah. all that. That's their whole angle, I believe, right? Yeah, a lot of that's oriented around what we're about to read. All right, let's, so. let's get cooking. Speaking of the Bible, Ooh. you want to go? You want to read first, Alex? Uh, here I'll go after you. You read the first section. Well, fucking fine then. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's the section. Man. Um, really being a teacher's pet there, Eve. 
Like, show some autonomy. Man, I know you've only been on Earth for a little bit, but come on, dude. It's like, just because you told something. Yeah. And I love how Satan, well, the serpent just fires back. You won't really die. Like, you won't really. And is he wrong? Well, yeah. We're going to find out, I guess. We'll, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. Did anyone else have uh, interesting other translations of this part? Mine began it with, now the serpent was more subtle than any beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. It's that British flavor. <laughs> That's interesting. So, yeah, so it's worth mentioning then, uh, it, the, it opens up this chapter saying that the serpent is more crafty or... Uh, subtle. Subtle. I'm assuming that's just, I think it means subtle, but like maybe yeah. old English. The uh, serpents were at the time associated with uh, like, not exactly trickery, but like... Uh, Cunning style. No, I, I guess magic, like not 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 specifically like like arcane magic, but the idea of like maybe uh, an original form of alchemy, yeah. like uh, ex- an exchange kind of system, which is why it's a symbol for medicine. Yeah. Um, but that's maybe maybe crafty is the same idea going on there. Um, not super sure where that symbolism comes in, but. It's worth mentioning that uh, in ancient times, serpents were a symbol for that kind of thing. Not necessarily evil, but maybe evil to some people. Hmm. Didn't you say there was a lot of snake imagery and like Moses representing gods kind of thing? Well, Staffs yeah. turning into snakes. Yeah. He does that later, yeah. Yeah, yeah which, which is the same idea. Uh, if you're going to turn a stick into something, what better thing for it to turn into... Snake, a snake being the symbol of converting things into other. Sorry, things. people unexposed to religion for the spoilers. I really didn't mean to hit that. Sorry, Luke. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, here, let me see if I can find specifically. Oh, divination is the word. Oh, divination. Okay. Oh. That makes that that's that clarifies. Yeah. Without any describing factors, you do. I do think of a snake that way. Is that the, I think divination is. I mean, it's supposed. Isn't isn't generally the idea of divination using the power. Of the divine to see and see what's going to happen. Yeah, or or to like make a change you want to see. Yeah, I guess yeah, affect that change. Yeah. Sorry, I was making sure Oppa didn't hit the space bar. Oppa came really close. We got dogs and cats. <laughs> in this yeah. yeah, there's a lot of animals. It's interesting that the serpent seems to either immediately lie or also know for a fact that God has lied. Because the serpent says, you will not surely die. Like, that's a pretty yeah, confident yeah. statement. It doesn't say he, the snake contemplated it. No, it's just very simple yeah. back and forth. And we don't oh, see oh, into oh, his... In- what, what, what does it say for years ago? Uh, you will not surely die, the serpent uh, said to the woman. Which, I guess, surely... For, for mine, it says, Inevitably. ye shall surely... Sh- ye shall not surely die. Hmm, that is a big difference, I think. Do you think that that could be, like, some sort of word trickery where it's like... I don't think you can die. That'd be well, crazy. So I was just thinking, it's kind of like the equivalent of me saying, like, well, I'm not going to kill you. Like, it doesn't rule out you dying, but it rules out a way you will die. So it's you just saying... eating, but... Yes. You won't die immediately. <laughs> you won't surely. But you... It's not to rule out that you won't die at all. Mine just says you won't die. Ooh. Okay, now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. God damn it, message. Wow, that dropped like yeah. a hammer. The message, people. The message. Yeah. Mm. Mine says, you won't die. 
period. That's the whole thing. God knows the moment that the moment that you eat from the tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God. That's interesting because it, yeah. it takes any question of the serpent maybe not fully lying. It's not a white lie anymore in that translation. It's, it's a lie. Right. Like there's a lot more room for interpretation in our versions. Yeah. Yeah. Because the serpent might not be lying if, when it says you will not surely die, but it's definitely lying if it says you will die. You won't die. You won't. Yeah, you won't die. That seems like it could be a point for the peop- the, the the camp that doesn't think that the message is satanic. I mean, the message people think the message is yeah. satanic. I, well, yeah, there's. There's some, I guess, like, in some other episode, I'll, like, put together some... I mean, the Book of the Law. We should do the Book of the Law if we're going to do satanic books. I'll I'll put together some, like, some, like, research about why people think that the message translation has satanic implications, but there's some, like, like, evangelicals out there that think, like, oh, "Oh, there's references to as above, so below, and, like, it's... It's supposedly like meant to lead people away from Christianity, but I don't know about that. That might just be a little, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that took any ambiguity uh, away from like, oh, maybe the snake wasn't trying to lie or wasn't quite lying. Yeah. The snake seems objectively evil now. Yeah. <laughs> well, but they don't die. But they do. Well, eventually they do, but I guess like I guess like when I read you won't die. Uh, that to me is more of a like implicating that you would die immediately as I feel like maybe Eve kind of thought like there definitely seems like to me I read it like Eve was saying if we eat this tree or touch it because that's that's another big thing is that not only is it do they eat but if they touch the fruit from this tree they're going to die which right like reading off of like just knowing what this says and just knowing what we've read so far to me, that sounds like you touch it, you're going to die right then and there. Like, you eat yeah. it, you're going to die mm-hmm. right then and there because, well, yeah, that's just... Also, yeah, and, and to include the word surely in our translations, that implies that you won't die immediately. Sure. Right. You will, but you won't that's die, not the yeah. immediate consequence. Yeah. What I find weird, though, with that is that... Um, oh, I think I lost it. Sorry, I got caught up in the crosshair. No, that's okay. We, let's keep on reading because all of this death talk about what will happen, we'll find out. Hi. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so that's Alex, what I was going to say, actually. Sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I find it interesting because as far as we know, right, I don't think these beings have experienced death or seen death. So yeah. I imagine even for us where we've known thousands of years of what death is and like practice and sight, they have zero reference, I don't think, for what that's death is. Point. Because they're in the Garden of Eden, no? Everything's perfect. There's no sickness. Yeah. Uh, animals don't eat each other. Um, yeah, so as far as we're aware. As far as we uh, speculate. Yeah. So perhaps, really good you know, like, she doesn't know. Like, it could be immediate. It could be in ten years. I don't, like, death is kind of a new concept here. Right. So is knowledge perhaps, right and perhaps wrong? Perhaps <laughs> no, but they, they also, they and the plants eat, or they and the animals eat plants. Yeah, that's in true. In the garden, so I feel like they would be, to some degree, aware of, but they ate the fruits of a tree. Yeah. You don't... Normally with agriculture, you have to kill the plant to turn it into food. It's The Bible's been pretty explicit with it is fruits of plants. With seeds. And so uh, yeah, and seed-bearing plants like like a like a like an apple would be, or like a like a banana or something like the that. The candies of the world. And you don't kill a tree by eating its fruit. Mm. Yeah, and that really goes back to a great point that Lee made last week about... Um, you know, if you don't know what evil is, you can't know what good is. 
Yeah. yeah. And so saying, you know, you'll be just like God, knowing everything ranging all the way from good to evil implies that in the sense that they don't really have a an idea of death, they also don't have an idea of what is good. Yeah, because yeah. they, haven't, they, haven't, they haven't eaten from the yeah, tree yet. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah. Which is a weird expectation for a god to have. Absolutely. It's strange for a god to say this is a wrong thing to do when Everything they can't know it's wrong without doing it. To understand right and wrong, they have to eat from this tree. But God has said it is wrong for you to do this thing. They don't know what right and wrong is, though. But also, he has no... It could, it could be he has no reason to suspect that they wouldn't obey what he said because they have no concept of right or wrong. But he's their creator and they've been made. The only reason that she... The only reason that she seems to have... Well, we don't know what happens yet, but... Uh, from the culture that I grew up in, I feel like I have an idea what happened. Same. Um, when she makes that, that that decision gets made, it seems like from what what the snake said. At least the snake has given given her this extra information. I thought you brought up a juicy but, point there. But Wait. the the reverse is true though, because mm-hmm. like to say that they don't know what right or wrong is, so God expects them to obey because they. How can God expect them to do right if they don't know what doing right is? Because God is right. told, yeah. Other than this one no, thing, yeah. Other than this one thing, so how can God expect them to do a right and to not do a wrong if they have no idea what right and wrong is? They can't comprehend it, even though God has told them they don't know what right and wrong is. Why it's not worth telling them? Does that make any sense? I'm picking up what you're putting down. I also think that your point, Alex, about, yeah, your point is, is equally valid. I think Luke is just saying, like, for your point to be true, the inverse of your point also has to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, is it okay that one mic is way less hot than the other? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, okay. I'll normalize both of them in the end, and they'll be the same maximum volume. Mixing magic, people. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... That's an interesting, like, ethical... Like, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> like, how do they know the right difference? Yeah, that, that's what God's trying to hide. He's trying to hide that knowledge, so how would they have the thing that God is trying to prohibit? What, do, so, so do we think that they have free will at this point? Definitely that's a hard not. problem, because... I don't... Well, but see, they have to eat the apple. She made a choice to eat the apple, so... She hasn't made that yet. Anyway, let's go on to the okay, next section. Good yeah, point, good on, point. Moving on. Moving on. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were naked and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves up from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, 
who told thee that thou wast naked? A little creepy, man. <laughs> Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me, the, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me. Beguiled. And I did eat. The end. Fucking wow. Po- fucking poetry. <laughs> that was a lot of thou's. Yeah. Well, the first thing I notice is that na- nudity is inherently evil. Yep. I find it weird how God <laughs> likes the fact that they're naked and that they're unaware that they're naked. I find that, <laughs> as an adult, and I've heard this story many times, people. I've heard it many times, but when Alex just read it right there, I, it just hit me like a stone brick of walls. Like, he's basically having people with the capacity of children walk running around naked without them being aware of what they're doing is wrong. That's a little weird, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird that the first thing that they're doing Nudity. that's wrong yeah. is is nakedness. Yeah. I mean, like, when you're three years old, you run around in your backyard naked with all your buddies who are also naked playing yeah. with toys and playing in the sand. It's just easier to clean you off. But, like, it's a strange thing to me, like, not being of religion, that, like, of all of the bad things to do, <laughs> of all of the bad things that they could have been doing that they didn't know they were doing... The worst and most, like, the worst and and first thing that they notice about themselves is, fuck, we're not wearing any clothes. You you mentioned something really interesting right there. They were doing something evil, and they didn't know it was evil until they ate the apple. God had them in a state of evil Mm -hmm. and did not correct it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. and, And not only did he not correct it, arguably he didn't really give them any tools to yeah. like they, he didn't give them clothes to wear and they were not wearing the clothes he didn't give them clothes to sometimes wear he gave them nakedness and then didn't give them clothes they make clothes for themselves out of what they have in the yeah. only way that he, he gave them to to write that wrong is this tree that he also told would lead to their deaths if they ate from yeah god put them in a state of evil and then a right. perpetual state of evil yes. because they would not have died in this. With the ignorance of children. Would, with yes. the ignorance they, of a child. They had, they had no way of solving it. They had no way of knowing it was a state of evil. So that means that, like, not, not, that means God created an evil. Yes. Or, yeah, I mean, and that's a huge At thing with, uh, in, well, it, it depends on how, how, how serious that evil sure. uh, was in relation to the goods and evils of the universe. But I'd say many Christians argue that God is uh, inept to any evil. God cannot coexist with any evil. But that's that's to say something evil was going on already, and God was coexisting with it. So, yeah. Especially in the creation of man and woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the least, if he didn't create the evil, he created a state of evil and no way for them to know that they were existing in this state mm. unless they ate the tree. Now, okay. The, uh, the fruit. And that's another interesting thing that I noticed is they, Adam and Eve hide from God in the garden. And the assumption that I made when I read that, and I've read this story before, but the assumption I made just reading it now is that they're hiding because they just ate the apple. They have, they, they have realized they've done wrong by breaking God's rule, and they're hiding. And then it immediately explains that it's because they were naked. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's how the story goes. But I've never noticed that that's a weird 
you would think the first that you think the first reason to hide from God is that they've just broken God's rule. The one, the only well rule. <laughs> for, I mean, it's said that they made clothes out of fig leaves to get for themselves aprons. Yeah. yeah, I mean they aren't proper clothes by whatever sort of calling they had inside of them, Covering. probably. But they were covered. There's no reason to hide to be because you're naked anymore. I feel like the, they were not the, naked. And then yeah, so wait, let me let me figure out what happens in what order because they hide. They hide after they've making the clo- They've made yeah. the clothes. Uh, okay. They made to the me, clothes and then I hear his voice. Well, what, no, but he says, "And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid." He hid because he was naked. He just lied to God. Anymore. Do you think that? Do you think that's what happened? He lied. I don't think yeah. he. I don't think he mm. lied. I think that he still finds himself in an inherent like amount of nakedness that he doesn't accept even with the fig leaf clothes or maybe perhaps okay. he just knows that he was naked and he knows that it was wrong that he was naked so he wanted to be unnaked and he knew that that was wrong does that go, go ahead i would imagine for me personally the like it's interesting when you haven't heard the story in like probably six years or whatever you know because when i heard it what it sounded like to me, and maybe it's just my warped mind, but I I hear it as like two victims almost who have been drugged their entire you know kidnapping almost, or in the, in their entire relationship with this guy, and they finally come to sobriety of this is messed <laughs> up, dude. I need to cover myself up. I need to hide. Yeah. Like I need to be cool with him, but like I also need to like this is this is a little dicey. Like I'm nude right now, and there's this all powerful deity that's walking amongst me, uh, and I just broke the one rule he had, and also I'm nude and he didn't tell me I, i'd be a little bit perturbed well and i do want to go back to the timeline issue that you were kind of talking about mm. here because i think that the timeline in this has some really like clear plot, plot holes in it for me first off when they get the fruit off the tree i am interested to know when i read it first to me it sounded like she was in the garden with the snake and adam was not there mm. and she decides to make she decides to make the decision to eat the apple. So she gets the apple, which means she touches it. Mm-hmm. So even before eating it, she's touched it. So now she's definitely going to die. No matter what. Because we know that if you touch or eat the fruit from the tree, you, you die. You will surely die. Yeah. yeah. And so she's touched the apple. But I'm if Adam's not there, that puts the entire, like, the entire problem on Eve. Mm-hmm. As opposed to them sharing the responsibility in this yeah. wrong that they've just done. A unilateral decision. Absolutely. It's not a unilateral decision from the way that it seems described to me. Yeah, and look at the blame game at the end. Yeah, I was about to say, immediately, like, oh. snitches out on his part. <laughs> I will get there. Um, also, just an interesting point about when God comes into the garden. So they eat the fruit, they see themselves naked, they get the fig leaves for clothes. Um, mine says they're hearing God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze. Which seems to indicate a lot more time passing than yours did because yours said the breeze the during cool, the day or something. The cool like breeze. the afternoon, like the. Yours indicated specifically a daytime thing. In the cool of the day. Yeah. Mine says an evening breeze, which I guess maybe could be similar, but I don't know. Dusk. The timeline there is kind of funky for me because I don't know, this might not be a, a pointful meaning, meaningful like thought, but. How much time between when they figure out they're naked and God comes do they have to, like, 
oh crap, we're naked. Like, what should we do about this? We're going to sew some clothes. Like, how much deliberation happened between when they figured out they were naked and God found them? Because if it was a lot of time, that could mean that, like, they had more time to understand that what they were doing is wrong. Question reality. Yeah. But if God showed up right away, (laughs) then they don't have as much time and, and they haven't thought through as much the nakedness that... Well, okay, so let's, like, recontextualize all of the blame game part with the assumption that God is, in fact, omnipresent. Okay. That's a very there you go. Because <laughs> if God is omnipresent and omnipotent, God knew the second they ate the apple. He was there. So God gave them time to clothe themselves, run, and hide before he showed up to ask them who, uh, who told you that you were naked. Which was, that's weird. That's weird. That like, I'm sure, weird. and yeah. like, I'm, that doesn't mean God's not omnipotent, but it certainly means God had a reason for letting them run off and hide. And feel shame and, and, yeah. and remorse. and well, Yeah. God made a choice to not immediately reprimand them. God let them run yeah. away. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and then when mine talks about the blame game that we get to at the bottom of that section. Um, yours doesn't say companion. Your, mine, mine, remember, uses that language of Eve is his companion. Um, yeah, mine, mine, so, mine, mine was a little bit more ownership-like. Mine gives Eve, like, almost plausible deniability in a sense for a minute, or Adam, plausible deniability in a sense for a minute, and he says, the woman you gave me as a companion... She gave me the fruit from the tree, and yes, I ate it. So I, I don't know, like that part. <laughs> As a sounds, companion, it sounds a little bit like Adam is like, well, like you know that person that you gave me as an equal partner. Listen, she forced me to eat this apple, so <laughs> she's wrong and not an equal partner. She's no good chief. But, but at no the good. end of it, it also sounds like he said, "But yes, I ate it." Right? It does. Yeah. So that's yes, also. I, I mean, so it's small, but that is yeah. that is responsibility. Absolutely. In my in mine, it is. <laughs> It is. It could not be clearer. He is laying blank. He's like, yeah. "This is the woman you gave to me, and she gave it to me." That thing. What do you want me to do? So you gave me this the apple is, because okay. you gave me this woman, and she gave me the apple. So really, this is your fault. God, you gave me the apple to eat right then and there, and it's your fault. This, and after yeah. you, it's her fault. This yeah. is like this is like a dad giving a son a car, and the son gets in the car and drives it on the interstate. Gets pulled over. Open your trunk. Opens the trunk and there's a body in the trunk. Oh, God. And he's like, dude, my dad gave me this car. I don't know how that body got in there. I swear to God. He works in sanitation, I swear. Dad shows up at the jail to get his son out, figure out something, hire a lawyer. And the son's like, dad, you gave me the car with the dead body in it. He's like, (laughs) you drove it. This is we, uh, you were speeding. You were the one who was speeding. This is a hilarious analogy. You is the car this analogy. Eve is yes. now being compared and to a car. a mob we boss dad, like Tony Soprano. <laughs> we well, have somehow gotten further back. <laughs> and the apple is certainly the dead body in the trunk. Welcome to the Godcast, people. For whoever's just tuning in right now, uh, we just made a crazy analogy. Okay, well. uh... I, I'm curious what you guys think. What is the lesson at, by this point in this chapter? Because to me, the lesson reads as you as a man are responsible for your woman to some degree. Uh, the little blame game lesson there reads that way to me, but I'm curious what you guys think. I'm getting don't eat fruit. 
Don't yeah, eat food. Yeah, yeah. That's a solid lesson. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm getting? Here's what I'm getting. Yeah, vitamins are bad. <laughs> you, you know what I'm getting? What's up? What are you getting, Noah? If you find yourself, people, created by a deity, and that deity <laughs> starts telling you, like, yeah, yeah, eat fruit. Like, yeah, everything's cool. Everything's groovy. Be Don't naked. trust it, man. Like, like for real. <laughs> like, an omnipotent, omni- like, that. that is a reasonable foe. Don't get all buddy-buddy, man. They, they know reverse psychology. Yeah, they man. They can... They can mess you around. Yeah, yeah. They, they put you for a swing. <laughs> there, there is another idea that Luke, you and I have talked talked about before in relation to this uh, piece of text, which it refer, mine refers to as the fall of man, uh, where it's this whole section could be seen as a metaphor for oh, yes. civilization, like for, yes. for for for. Uh, the agricultural revolution. All right. For like, yeah. absolutely progressing out of like a more animal state, hunter gatherer, into I guess what we would call like the human race, and like our civilization. And so that would really make sense that as soon as their the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, as all animals on this planet are, as all the parts of nature that we see are, that that would be. Their transition to civilization would be, at least in part, by clothes. And it could represent the fact that people of this time, when they were writing this, that they were probably savage peoples, that they considered savages, that they didn't consider part of society or civilization, that didn't wear clothes, that ran around naked in the... uh, yeah, outside the garden. Yeah. Can I play the devil's advocate here, which is kind of a funny thing to say during this podcast, but... um... Do you think that because the other animals on the planet had fur and and things that looked like clothing on them, that Adam and Eve, even though they had hair on their bodies, presumably, like, felt a little bit strange not having the same amount of, like, coverage as, say, like, a bear? Oh. Do you think that their, like, their concept of, oh, fuck, we're naked possibly stems a little bit in part from the fact that, like, all of the other creatures that they see have something on their skin. They don't have yeah. much exposed skin to see. And humans just undeniably have that amount of exposed skin. Building on that, I have a further question. You know, like, God said, I, I've created them in our image, uh, you know, of God. Does that mean when they... And they walked with God, no? So does that mean when they saw God, was God wearing clothes? And oh. they unaware of nudity? Because was God naked? Or did God wear clothes and they think nothing of it? Well, okay, so based mm. on what we have here, just though, a question, just a random question. We know nudity <laughs> is evil. So God would never do it. God would but never God it. created it. That's true. So God might have been nude because he felt no need to make sure they had clothes. Asking the big questions. But uh, back to the agriculture <laughs> analogy thing, uh, that is a, like one of my favorite interpretations of Genesis, yeah. like this early part of the story, where uh, Adam and Eve are a representation of early man. They eat from the apple. Their eyes are opened. And, like, the eye opening is kind of symbolic of no longer being an animal. They they stop being an animal and they start being man and woman. And they create civilizations. They farm food. They stop gathering fruits like they did in the garden. Yeah. And then the, towards the end of this chapter, we'll see what else they do and how that analogy is extended. And in the next chapter, Cain and Abel, a farmer and a shepherd. shepherd uh, one of them dies, and it's very symbolic. But we won't we won't rush into that. Interesting. Robert and Remus like 
A little, a yeah. Bit. But uh, let's keep on reading because okay. that analogy grows. I want to go back to your point about the the lesson because I did make a rather snarky comment about don't eat apples, <laughs> <laughs> which is obviously not well. It's one of the lessons I've taken from this. Um, but no, I, I I think your point about to a certain extent man is responsible for his woman is an interesting point um just because if he was so responsible for her in the first place then he should have said no i'm not going to eat the apple and you shouldn't have touched it yeah put it down like yeah. why if he's so responsible for eve and if she's really if he's charged with her care then why didn't she feel obligated to go to him to ask for permission to do this? And why didn't he, why did he eat the apple? Yeah, I, I, I also don't feel like that, that would be the... Well, I just think it's an interesting, like, I like your point and I think it's correct, but I don't, I don't understand why, I guess, why the events occurred in such a way if he's her keeper. Well, well, the, well yeah. the, the the man the man was never reprimanded by God for not keeping his woman. The man reprimanded God. This is the woman that you gave me, and God turned to the woman is like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, but imagine. Okay, but imagine the story from the perspective of us. If if we believe our woman that we are given, you, me, Alex, Noah. Not you, Haley. Sorry to exclude you. Unless you want to be given a woman, too. No, thanks. We all get given a woman of our own. If we're to learn anything from this, it's that keep careful watch over your woman, because she might fuck you over. She might get you into a situation that you can't get out of. It could be allegory. Because Adam does try to explain, like, well, God, you gave me her, but God says kind of that that doesn't matter. She's she's yours. Yeah, back to the car analogy, it fits pretty pretty well, like... If this car that we're given with the dead body in it, like when the dad goes to the jail, the son doesn't go, dad, why did you give me this car with the body and it wasn't my responsibility to clean out the car when you gave it to me. He just goes, dad, why did you give me this car that had a body in it? Yeah. Like presuming that in, in its original state, it was the way that the dad had meant to give it to him. Yeah. And it would have, it would have been, it would have behooved the son to clean out the car before he drove it. But it's also kind of ridiculous to expect him to do that. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty, this is pretty uh, against women. <laughs> yeah, pretty misogynist here. What I was about to say though is, I think I find it fascinating because they make it very particular across the New King James, the NIV, and the message that um, <laughs> that she ate first. They make that a very clear universal point that she was the one who ate it first. She was the one who got tempted and was weak of will. Um, yeah, definitely. I think if we're going with the agricultural, you know, like kind of, uh, metaphor, I would say maybe that represents like, uh, fertility and creating societies that have more, uh, I don't know, maybe uprising women. Who knows? Remember all of this was written by very primitive. Wait, people. let me jump in on that. Yeah. Get on, the, get on. Yeah. The, so she, if we're going with the agriculture analogy, yeah. she's the one who chooses to create society. The woman mm. is the one who introduces to both man and woman the, necess- the necessity Knowledge. of society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the woman doesn't hunt. She, she doesn't offspring. gather. The men did. The woman creates offspring, and she's the one who says to the tribe or to the man, we need to stop running around and stop gathering our food. We need to build a society. Because I can see in a lot of ways how man would never choose to do that. 
Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not masculine to sit down and like build up a city. It's very feminine. No, it's very masculine to keep going around your entire life, like trying to kill as many animals and other people as you can. Kicking the shit out of neighbors. That's that's a really interesting extension of that analogy where the woman ate the apple because the woman is the one who forces man to create society, like civilization. There's no civilization yeah. without a future uh, descendants. Yeah, yeah, without woman. I wonder yeah. if there's also like a, a possible second analogy to like. Yeah. I don't know much about the stone to ape theory, but it kind of goes along with like monkeys go around gathering berries and li- anything else that they can find and stuff. And I'm not sure if 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 some people that believe the stone to ape theory think that uh, apes or, or apes or monkeys were like gifted. These things buy some other higher power, higher power or yeah. something, like the snake. Posable thumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the diviner. Yeah. yeah. That is interesting that he's called that, and the thing he gave such a negative thing, which is just the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of you're nude right now, the knowledge of expansion. Bro, you're naked. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta let you know you're hanging right now, bro. All right, <laughs> right now, let's uh, let's keep moving because I do want to like pursue the agriculture analogy a little bit more. Yeah, I it's get really into that. It's, it's really interesting. Juicy. Um, okay, so verse thirteen. Then the Lord God said to the woman. Fourteen. Fourteen. Oh, Yes, but you're on the right one. On the it's right. It's just you read the wrong number. 13? 14. 14. Mine's literally about 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I already read that. Yeah. But but actually, that is a, a good point that I did want to... Uh, like, the, the end of that, and the woman said, the, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. It's kind of casting the woman as, like, weak. Like, yeah, mine says deceived. Yeah, same. The serpent deceived me. Mine actually says I... seduced. Ooh. That's better. I know it's juicy language, right? Yeah. But it, it's That's just, sexy. I have that. I have that as I wanted to. I wanted to talk about it. So I'm glad that you rebrought it back up. But what an interesting connotation of the serpent seduced me. Yeah. Temptation. I almost, I almost like want to write a porno script for like <laughs> the snake, <laughs> the snake and Eve, the snake and Eve, the snake and Eve. Had I known wow. this was the direction the right I was peach. going in, I wouldn't have said it. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have said it just to avoid you saying that. Yeah. But no, the sed- seduced is definitely like, because we've talked about how this is written in modern language, the, the seduced has such a heavy connotation with it. Yeah. It's incredible to me that the authors of the message decided to choose this word. Over deceived or beguiled. Over deceived or beguiled or tricked or, or any of those like lighter words. Seduced is a heavy word. And it introduces a sexual implication too. Absolutely, which was not there before, even with the nudity. It also implies the uh, lack of free will to an extent, because prior to eating it, she had no free will, and she was she didn't know she was being seduced, but probably afterwards, after realizing nudity, she's like, oh, wow, I just got played. Yeah. Like, he, he was so smooth with his words, he made it sound so good, like, now the creator of everything's pissed at me, yelling, reprimanding me in front of Adam. It might be hyper-suspicious of me, too, but it does kind of, like... It implies sexual weakness. Yeah. The woman is sexually yeah, weak. Totally. I agree. Against a serpent, which is very phallic. At, yeah. At, as at the very yeah. least, sexually subordinate. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy. We have a blind dog in the studio. Everyone say hi to Yoshimi at home. Yeah, yeah we're like, just take. Sorry about that, folks. Yeah, you're good. She's very cute. You you would all love. You would her. love her. Oh man. <laughs> all okay. right. Um, yeah. No, so that's, now. Uh, what were Alex? What were you gonna say about that verse, though? Because 
a lot just happened there, and you you had a thought. Oh, that was the that was the general idea, just that the different connotations of the word there, and because beguiled is definitely a implies a weaker uh will will. Yeah, it just it just kind of I don't know. It kind of reads as as like a further attack on 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 the first woman and her like saying, "Okay, yeah, this was my fault. I was weak." Admitting and copying. Like, yeah, yeah. You can even go further and say it indirectly says it wasn't Adam's fault. Pretty much. Oh, absolutely. He doesn't because, reprimand because the two. Adam, yeah. Adam, Adam says it was her fault, and then God's like. Okay, Adam. Got you, bro. <laughs> Got you, bro. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll take care of this. I'll, t- I'll take care of you. Well, she could go further and say, the serpent seduced me, and so I seduced Adam to eat the apple, or at the very least, you know, the serpent tricked me into eating the apple, and I knew I was going to die, so I tricked Adam into eating the apple. Like Lovers go down together. Yeah. Bonnie and Clyde, bro. <laughs> Yeah, they but it it, it 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 the whole part before this in the in the part of the chapter that we read where they don't have a perception of good and evil, I'm still kind of thrown by like how God expected them to not know anything. Yeah. It's a very weird dilemma, like because it can can go both ways. Like yeah. it, the assumption could be that because they have no perception of good and evil, they don't have free will, so they should be expected to do exactly as God created them to do could go the other way and say they don't have free will so it's unreasonable to expect them to know good from evil yeah perhaps there is some sort of because there is a big truth in the universe and that that is underlying the the like our reality and such um throw up your big t's guys no i'll give an amen (laughs) to that man (laughs) so like that 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 means that there could there could logically be a a true language, like a word, uh, uh, a true language that these that God could perhaps speak in. So when God speaks, even without knowledge of good and evil, you can understand what He's saying because it's, a it's perfect truth. Because it's a perfect truth, right? Yeah. Um, and so you would just accept it, and you would be it. And He you is God, it. so He should be able to speak a perfect truth. But that also says, but with with that, that would mean that the snake is also speaking in this perfect language. May I? Wait, but, and one more, to expect these humans to understand the language, they would need to be perfect as well. To receive a perfect message, you have to be equally perfect. Mm. I, 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 th- I, I guess not in the way that that I would think about it. Is that if this language is so perfect, you wouldn't even have to have any sort of knowledge for the words to affect truth on reality, because it, okay, yeah. In a modern sense, you can you hear about Christians who have heard the message from God, and none of the no Christian is perfect, so obviously they're not receiving this perfect message from God. However, they're still understanding to some extent, if any, the the things that He is telling them to do or saying to them. They have to interpret it into their own mm-hmm. worldview, though. Even mm-hmm. if it's a perfect truth, it is made imperfect the second the listener receives it. That's so true. Okay, yeah, yeah I think that fits with what you're saying, Alex, about there being a, a perfect language being interpreted by these. Yeah, and it's also difficult to like put it in context with people these days because there's so many more variables than what yeah. is being described with the first two people in the garden. <laughs> Much more simplistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 
where like it sounds like most of their distractions are maybe butterflies and fruit trees. That's fucking sick. Like Occasional sunset, you know. The yeah. occasion. We don't even know that. <laughs> They're very unspecific about how long they've been. There. It could be like a Twilight Zone situation. Here's where yeah. I lean in on that, uh, with the whole specifically where you guys were talking about. Okay, so the snake knew this, but God knew this. Here's how I look at it from my personal view of like I lean more on the polytheistic side, kind of like mm. more of like traditional Jewish as we brought up before. Like you know they believe that there are many gods and they're all gods, but some are just bigger and badder than others. That's kind of where I. I sit in on it because I imagine the garden is like this god's turf like you know what I mean or this okay. people's turf and then mm. another one kind of slithers his way in and just starts oh. starts talking to the population being like hey man I, I see yeah. your man up there has been telling you some whack shit man <laughs> that's some good fruit right there you should give that to your man it'll get him crazy for you and, well and and the snake is a positive <laughs> religious symbol in a lot of other cultures exactly. that would have been surrounding would have worshipped early Hebrews. Exactly. Yeah. So that's so that's my where I stand on. I think it's a matter of two gods. The There's just yeah. two gods at play. It's not a god and one of his creations that's more powerful than man. It's I think it's two gods that are both fighting over the two people that inhabit the yes, earth. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I really, I really, after this episode, want to look more into like ancient message Mesopotamian snake imagery and oh, yeah. the gods associated with it. Oh yeah. Oh. Sounds it's funny you should mention that. Do you, She's got some breath. Oh, I have some. Do you have, a, do you have any Egyptians? Egyptians? I have, um, I started with Africa because ancient Africans, like, tons of their gods had snake imagery involved with them or were snakes or were part snakes. So we see snake bodies, we see snake heads, and interestingly enough, almost all of the gods in ancient Africa that had snakes involved with them are actually female. Yeah, no, I that's in. Wow. I can see it. I know. And it's weird because there's, you know, we talk. The names? I have, let's see, Dahomey is the first one that comes up. Dahomey. Um, and she actually symbolized fertility, water, and wealth, and mm. sexual desire. And she was a very powerful goddess. Mm. Um, so interesting. I have wow, wow, she sounds a little bit like uh, Athena, Lilith, Lilith. <laughs> Also, there's like a Greek goddess that's like the same thing, I believe. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Similar. It, like, you, you, you're probably thinking of Demeter. Not the god of a war. Yeah. You're probably thinking of Demeter, which there's some similar things, like fertility. Yeah, it's just as oh. soon as you said that, that just sounds so familiar to something else. Yeah, that, man. Well, but, fertility mean, is an important that, concept yeah, to society. That's a pretty, I mean, especially in primitive society, I imagine most of their gods have something to do yeah. with that. Like, we need to survive as a people. Yeah. I might need to look into Persephone more because it might, it might, it could be, it could be Persephone, but that's interesting. I'm not me. sure if the snake is associated with Persephone. That's very Lilithy, though, for sure. Yeah, yes, especially from that verse of Isaiah that we read yeah. last week. Yeah, I still really love that verse. It's a cool one. It's a really cool one. So then, in ancient Mesopotamia, the first snake, uh, I guess we'll say themed. God is Nera, the messenger of the god Isertan. Is <laughs> Herm- Herm- Hermes uh, is a messenger god, and he Sweet. carried the Codicus. What did Lilith, yeah. or not Lilith, what did the snake in the story do? He just came with information. Like, he just... Uh, he's yeah, messenger. he's a messenger. He didn't do anything explicitly evil. He just told wow. he gave Eve some information. And, yeah. and as a messenger would. Even yeah. more interestingly, the snake Nira looks, in a sense, identical 
to the way that the medical staff that we were talking about that's, earlier. That, that, that's the Hermes. Yeah. The, yep. I think generally people like to refer to it as caduceus, but I think caducus is a cool, cool way of saying cool. it. Yeah. Cool. So Google's going to tell me how we're supposed to be saying it. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I really want. I really like the pronunciation "codicus," and I've been using it for well over a decade now. Okay, well, so I, I accidentally found couscous instead. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to know some hot salad recipes for couscous, so incredible the connection. This is actually a rice-shaped pasta. Amen. Isn't I'm it, aware. Isn't it, it round? <laughs> no. Tell us more about these snakes. <laughs> you want to know more about couscous? Uh, no, I, well, right, right now, just to put it in context, I, I think it's pretty crazy that we see the connections between this book, the the Holy Holy Bible, or I guess I guess the Old Testament, then, then this God from Mesopotamia, Nera, mm-hmm. and Hermes from, from ancient Greece. So also in Mayan mythology... Snakes symbolize rebirth. The, the circular thing, yeah. We, yeah. we looked that up once, uh, snake eating itself. And the Anor- significance of that. Anoroboros. Anoroboros. Oroboros. 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 Super sure. It's the natural infinity symbol. And we also looked it up. Apparently, some snakes do end up eating themselves out of anxiety. Oh, it's a real sad. thing that happens, and it's Not sad. It's, it's very, yes, it's it's very sad. sad. We saw a very unfortunate video on the internet that wasn't great to see, but and apparently I it's hard to prevent. You can't, you can't prevent. Like once the snake started eating itself, it's hard to undo because you can do damage to the snake's intestines if you try to pull the snake out of itself. But also, you shouldn't. Like, so you just kind of have to let it happen. Snake owners at home, this also means doesn't don't pull out your cell phone and put it on lively. That that shit ain't cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds like in that video, it happened at a store where the people that were filming it decided not to go and get the employees of the store. They just decided to film it. Yeah. Um, so there's also snakes that are featured in Sumerian fertility. Mm. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt this name. Nagazda. Nagazda. I'll take that. But she is depicted as a serpent with a, a serpent with a human head that eventually becomes a god of healing and magic. So here we're kind of seeing it divination. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so that's the I mean there are a couple like general themes, but across the board it seems like the carrying of information perhaps symbolizing fertility and health health which eventually will lend itself in in some in some people's eyes to divination. Yeah, and yeah. the caduceus carried by Hermes, representative of healing. That's why we use it. Yes. It was, the, I wanted to make sure that was actually the symbol and not like a modern oh, symbol. No, 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 it is. But yeah, and it's, it's been the, the, the kind of healing symbol for hundreds, if not thousands of years, uh, which is incredible. And you'll still see it on hospitals. You'll still see it on, unfortunately, this country, health insurance companies sometimes. Oh. I'm gonna untangle Yoshimi and then we can keep moving. Yeah, we got, oh, we got technical dog difficulties. Uh, oh, technical difficulties? Oh. Uh. Okay. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree uh, about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. 
cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil will you eat uh, will you eat of, of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you will return. Down. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God made coats of skins and clothed them. Peter would not like that. Sorry, I, I, I thought I did it sooner. Okay, so... I, I, got, I, I want to jump in with something that I've never seen before. Uh, it, okay, so God makes it very clear that the serpent will eat dust for the rest of its oh, days. I'm, yes. And then he also makes it very clear that man is dust and man will return to the dust. Uh, is that some cool symbolism about how the mm-hmm. serpent devours men? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sin will devour men for all the days of their life and so long as there's sin. And for what the serpent traditionally represents to most Christians in this chapter, they do say that the the domain we, which, in which we live in belongs to the serpent. Yeah. It's, it's his turf. Earth is the serpents. Yeah. God created it, but we Satan can walk among it. Yeah. We are from dust and we dust to dust, ash to ash. I thought that was interesting. I wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to jump on that. But what else did you guys think? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, that is interesting that, like, cursed to slink on your belly and eat dirt all your life. When I first read this, I did not understand that. Like, I, there is no time in history where snakes have been eating dust. Um, so I was pretty confused on that, like, right off the start. Like, that just seems like a weird thing, but I think that symbolism you're getting at is exactly why it's, why it's included. Yeah. Um. Very intentional to explain that man is dust and that the serpent will eat dust. Yes. Yeah. The, I'll multiply your pains in childbirth. Mm. You'll give birth to your babies in pain. (laughs) You'll want to please your husband, but he'll lord it over you. It's different. There's a lot of guys listening out there that would firmly disagree with that, and there's a lot of women out there that would firmly disagree with that. Well, yeah, just an interesting... Based, based on most relationships <laughs> I've viewed, many men would think, yeah, no, my girl does not pine after me, and I in no way dominate at all. I know a lot of guys like that. No, that's just um, <laughs> that's just clearing up any confusion if we had any yeah. from before of that it was her fault. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. to, to further on that point a little bit, <laughs> he goes on to comparing the work that Adam will be doing, getting food from the ground to labor. He goes on to say that it will be as painful as labor in my version, at least mm-hmm. he, he says getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies for your wife. That's interesting because mine doesn't say that. I know. And so mine actually makes the exact comparison between the two punishments and says, your wife's going to be in pain. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, it goes in to say that Adam will be in equal amounts of pain. Yeah, ours does not say that. There's no, there's no reason to do that either because the Bible has made it clear here that Eve is the one that did the most wrong. It's okay, in my opinion, if she gets the worst punishment. I, I don't know why that translation feels a need to equate them. I guess it's because this is like a more modern thing. We're on the same playing field. Yeah. Uh, so we say. <laughs> we'll say We've it. all agreed to say that out loud. We'll say it. Yeah. We'll say it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so that's what they have, they've decided to say in writing. 
Well, it, I, to That's me, true. though, it undermines the legitimacy of it by a long ways because Definitely. anybody who's ever had a child and done physical labor knows that the pain is not equivalent. No. Yeah. I haven't even had a child, but I've done a lot of physical labor, and I am 100% sure it will be not as painful. It's as forcing a, a bowling ball out of you. It's Yeah, versus like there's going to be some thorns and dust on I, the ground. I, 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 think, <laughs> I think the implication is like, let, let's say back, back then a woman has seven kids over her life. Mm-hmm. But the guy works for forty years to put to to Absolutely. put food on the face. Yeah, four so it's all like seven. so it's like seven really painful moments mm-hmm. or forty years of of, of hard labor. Work. So it's like, yeah, I I see where you're coming from. I just to me, I don't like the equal comparison at all. Just yeah. I just think it fully like like dumbs down the idea that that the Bible is trying to get at here by oh, equating it to... I agree. It's a bad translation because it's not really a translation. It's just changing it. Yeah. yeah. It's not a translation. You're right. It, they just added this to it. Yeah. That you guys yeah. don't have anything similar to There's nothing, getting food yeah. from the ground will be as painful as no. having babies is for your wife. In uh, the NIV and the New Kings, James, as far as mine went... There's no way there's... to... There's no way to even extrapolate that from anything you Oh, no, it, they make it very clear that it's an uneven punishment and that it's not fair. So that's an interesting it's one. It's just like he's he's talking to them about kind of different things. Yeah, it's like to, when yeah. a you, woman, he's like, you you're fucked up, in it's going to be terrible for you. It's the like, guy's like, you're also cursed. Well, the, okay. Uh, have to work. And so let's, let's go over this, though, because we did say when we started Genesis chapter 1 that a lot of Genesis explains why things are the way they are. And this, just this section, explains tons of things. So it starts out by explaining that snakes are, used to not be just an animal. The serpent became an animal at this point. Before then, it was not just an animal. If anything, it was something that was kind of equivalent to man because it could speak, mm-hmm. as far as we can tell. Second, wait, 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 where does it say that in yours? Because cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. So, 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 so he's just so he's saying you were above it. So it's a metaphor where you yeah. are above now. You're below. Now you're mm-hmm. now you're below the livestock. Yeah. Uh, so, Lucifer so God was the first one that said. You were above. God said that first. Uh, Also, that might be an allusion to uh, the Luciferian, like when Satan gets denounced as the top it dog and he gets cast out. Maybe that's just foreshadowing of like you were above and now you are below. Yeah, because 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 you referred to earlier when you first started this as the serpent as representative of sin. Yeah. Um. It just I didn't. I guess that that's an interpretation of this. Yeah, that's that that's like that's an extrapolation based out of like knowing what else goes on in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's it's un like it's unfair to come to that conclusion based off of just the three chapters of Genesis we've read. But the rest of the Bible would imply that this serpent is sin or Satan. But moving on, it's also why women don't like snakes. Which is a weird thing to make an origin story for. Yeah, no, I know. But that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also why it seems to imply kind of that women have sons that kill snakes for them. It, yeah. It also explains why childbearing is painful. Mm-hmm. It also explains why women are subservient to men. Mm-hmm. It also explains why men are forced to participate in agriculture. Um, well, forced is a. Is a heck of a word there. Cursed. 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 Yeah, no, I mean, I just, you know, looking at history, men are not forced to participate in agriculture. 
But for a lot of history, they have we been. Weren't, we weren't there. We weren't there? Speak yeah, but, this, but if, there. if we're going with that metaphor, then, like, it's saying that, like, yeah, we were forced to do agriculture. Yeah, women's because burden was to give birth, and man's was to make food. We it's like, if a, if a man wanted to stay with his yeah. partner, or his his slave woman, if that's how he saw her, sure. but, but she, like, was ha- was pregnant... It made more sense to stay in one place, and uh, if you guys knew to, how to put shit in the ground and get food out of it, yeah. that would make sense. Well, and the curse is that you can't just find food anymore. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to grow it. You have to put it in the ground yourself, which gets back to that agriculture analogy. But oh, yeah. there's a few other origin stories before it gets to the end. Um, it's it's why toiling sucks. There's like thistles and things that come out of the ground, um, and there's also an implication of the curse of mortality that from dust you were made to dust you will return. God doesn't ever say that before this happened that you would return to dust, but it seems to imply by mentioning that now you die. Like you, oh, sure. it used to be that you had immortality. Now you're immortal again. But those are the, the those are it's a, a lot happens right there. I'm curious though. I wanna I wanna ask you more questions about what you yeah. what you just mentioned there. Do you not think that the curse, uh, like the implied curse here, is to toil? No, no. I definitely think that the implied curse here is that you're going to have to work to get your food. But I don't know. I I just think like forced by women to do that. I it, to me. Oh, that's what not what I meant. What you said was. Like, women forced men to do this. Like, they forced them into it. But to me, it seems like God is doing the forcing in this scenario. Yeah, it's not yeah. the women. That's because not what I Because if say. your woman is pregnant, you can still go out and hunt and gather while she's pregnant. Sure. So, I, I, like, I just think it's a really important distinction here to mention that, like, yes, in this, it is the woman's fault. But I don't think that that means that she forced him to be in agriculture. I think that means that... If that's what this is saying, then God has forced the peoples into agriculture. It is not the women being Well, pregnant. that's why I go back to the metaphor of, like, it's the curse of civilization. It's the curse of your women have to procreate, like, rapidly, and you have to build. You have to, you have to sustain that. Like, it's equally, you both are going to be fucked for the progression of my pleasing. Well, and I'm curious, does your guys' say planting and tilling and harvesting? Does yours make any reference to agriculture? Because I get the, I am under the impression that hunting and gathering could be hard work as agriculture could be. Oh, yeah. My mine says cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life. So the implication there is that the ground no longer freely produces food unless you toil. If you toil, then it will produce food. Such as women don't effortlessly produce children just as the soil will not effortlessly produce yeah. fruit of its own. Like, it's a weird, like, poetic symbolism there. And with the agriculture analogy, too, like, remove God from the situation. If woman was the one who created the scenario that required civilization through, like, just there being a lot of humans. Like, humans are because women make them. And sure. like man, contrib- man contributes to that, but hum- women raise them. Like women, women teach them things. Like women are the ones that give birth to them. If you remove God from this situation, the the like the analogy is that while women make babies to toil the ground, those babies toil the ground, 
and like civilization is like the endless wheel of pain. Absolutely. I just um to me it reads as gathering nourishment is the curse of man. Yeah. And whether that gathering be from farming fields or hunting and gathering, mine actually says something interesting that's going to undermine greatly what I'm about to say. Mine says planting and tilling and harvesting, sweating in the fields from dawn till dusk. So mine actually makes the direct reference to the agriculture symbolism that we're talking about here. But when I heard what your guys' says, to me it just sounds like the curse of man is that now it is not an equal burden on both sexes to find their nourishment. Now yeah. it is man's job it's to find job, nourishment, though. and it is women's job to create humans to nourish. Well, and, and to, to defend the agriculture analogy to better explain it, the idea is that hunting and gathering is the garden. Hunting and gathering mm-hmm. is easy mm-hmm. and pleasurable and what man would be happiest doing. Agrarian, Civilization is yeah. a curse. Agrarian Igno- ignoring even the hunting. Uh, like the gathering. Let's just like assume that animals are off the table. Okay. You yeah. get food just when you need it. The the way that the world was before was just uh, a paradise of like all these all these plants and berries and fruits and stuff that you could eat. Or people start settling down in a place, and when they've gathered all the things in the place that they've settled down in, mm-hmm. there aren't any more plants for them to eat. Yeah. You have too you many have, humans. You have to- you have to figure out how those plants are growing, put the seed in the ground, and then grow your own, and then you can, then then we're at agriculture. To go back to the beginning of Genesis, I find it fascinating how he also specifies, prior to all of this, it can only be uh, seed-bearing fruit, and that probably has some foreshadowing built into it of like, I'm going, I know, since I'm on, since I know everything, I'm a fourth dimensional being, I know you're going to fuck up in a matter of like two years, so I'm going I'm to give you a little edge, I'm going to show you, just like, I'm going to start, you know, just, just a little, little tutorial here, like how to, how to survive without me like spoon feeding you. Yeah, like, like, like oh, there's wheat, there's other plants, there's other things besides seed bearing fruit. Yeah, then God said, I, I just, mm-hmm. just, we know what verse we're talking about. Uh, then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Very specific. I, I don't know what to think of this part, and I'm curious if you guys think anything of it, but the enmity between the snake and the woman, that's, that, that God made them. God made them hate each other. Yes. Uh, and then and then said that the offspring of hers is for crushing the head of the snake. Oh, Wow. Mm-hmm. Mine does not say that. It says in mine, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its heel. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've got something similar. I've got, um, I've got, I'm declaring war between you and the woman, which is kind <laughs> of a funny thing to say. Um, between your offspring and hers, he'll wound your head, you'll wound his heel. Which, he'll wound your head, you'll wound his heel seems to indicate that he, the snake, will wound your head, you, the woman. You, the woman, will wound his, the snake's heel. What does a snake's do it? I know yeah. it's, I keep going back to it, but this is also applies to the metaphor. You create civilizations and your children will protect the, the woman, or like meaning the country, the land, the, the, the provider. And the son and the descendants protect it from the snake. Judaism is matriarchal, too. Very much so. That's how it passes through blood. yeah. So that that kind of yeah. addresses Alex, that. Alex, do you have any thoughts about that that you want to voice? No, I was I just found that interesting yeah. as well. Yeah, that's uh, totally right. Because it really does sound like 
sound like she is kind of the, di- the directing force, at least, in this co- combating she of... It. Catalyst, yeah. Yeah, yeah. at least the catalyst. Almost like she listened to the snake and was the original sin. And now yeah, her children yeah, now, war now she's it. Yeah. Is it better to be ignorant of evil and allow it to exist? Not to for Adam, for her. Crush it. Yeah. yeah. The they're not going to war against the snake for Adam. For no, they're not. They're going to That's war a, yeah. against the snake mm-hmm. for Eve, who, you know, interestingly enough, we don't hear that she's Eve until down in 20, verse 20, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's her title after. Do we want she to didn't talk get, about she that? Didn't, she didn't get a name until, until she, she was until she, the, she, the child yeah. bearer. That gets woman into Adam. the matriarchy thing, too. Yeah. Because... Uh, Adam names Eve Eve because she is the child of or the, the the mother of the living, and that's more important than Adam being the father of man. Objective. There's way is. more emphasis yeah. in this on Eve being the like the starting point than Adam being the starting point. I guess, I guess it could be that perhaps perhaps God realized that he neglected the woman, and then he's like, okay, okay, if you fell trapped to this snake god or whatever this snake was that came in the garden. We're going to make you super opposed to that person and give you a lot of power. <laughs> yeah. You have the power to make armies. Like, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, that's kind of what it says. That, like, yeah. The, y- your womanhood gives you the power to create armies <laughs> to wage a war. That, that's reading into it a lot, too, but I think that's, no, that's, that's a general implication. Yeah. I think that's not too far to reach at all. Do, do, we, do we know what, according to Genesis, what we've read so far, like, cattle are used for? No, we haven't heard anything times, about we have livestock only heard... for me, but what, what, does, li- what does livestock mean? Does that mean for eating, or does that mean for milk? Domestic. It's it's a, a livestock. I think when it's just a domesticated animal. Switch it to livestock because I have cattle. Mine is livestock the whole time. Oh. Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. Mine is cattle all the way through this. I have had cattle. Weird. Since the beginning, I think I've Cattle had a, I think I've had a couple wild animals. Stuff. I can yeah, see that as a general term for like wild beasts. Yeah, let me go to like, the beginning or again. domesticated beast. Yeah, because uh, animal. Even in the beginning, it says uh, it, it makes a distinction between livestock and beasts of the earth. Yeah, those are two separate groups. Yep. And Mine so I cattle and wild animals. Oh, I think I know what it may be actually. Uh, going back to the whole uh, acidic, you know, Judaism thing. It's the animals with hooves that are livestock. It's the animals with claws that are beasts, I think. I think it has something to do with that. If, if, yeah, but chickens. Yeah, but That's chickens. That's fair. <laughs> if we didn't have agriculture yet, if we're going back to that out, agriculture... Then how do we know that would, the cattle is domestic? Why would we have animal husbandry? That tech comes yeah. after agriculture. I could maybe apologetics that away and say it's because God is omnipotent. God knew this was all going to happen. Oh. God knew agriculture would happen mm-hmm. when Eve committed original sin so and Adam would be cursed to toil. So he pre-separated them? Is God in Night Shyamalan? <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm picking up, what you land at. Yes. God, yes. God produces <laughs> shitty in twists. If you're going to read this Bible like a Christian, you have to read it like God's M. Night Shyamalan. Okay, because, I understand now. No, that he, makes sense. Like, that's, that makes sense. That's what's going on here. Has it said that he's like all those good things? Omnipotent and omnipresent? All those um, I don't actually know where in the Bible it makes that claim. But I would say, from an apologetic standpoint, in, de- in defense of interpreting God that way, He's not much of a god if he isn't. Right, yeah, he's just kind of a more powerful human. He's just somewhere below so, god, so, or so, he so is. You're, so your 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 level for god is omnipotent. 
and omnipresent and, and omnipotent. Om yeah. All the omnis. Omnis. The triple omni. That means all, right? Maybe everything. Uh, everything at once. Actually, it does later in the Bible say specifically. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just I'm like if we're looking at this at the beginning as a text. The Absolutely. Yeah, then we don't know different. that he's omnipotent right now. Mm -hmm. Like if we're looking at this from a text, because I I didn't know if the Bible said, then it kind of speaks that if it if it's not said the way that we've been operating, if we can't say the snake is Satan right now. Can we say God is omnipotent? Well, yeah, we can, because that's the definition of God. That's your definition There's of no God. There's no definition in this book. There's no definition. Yeah, but the, God, the, the book is using God. There's not an annex When you read a thing? book, it doesn't tell you the definition of every word. You you I assume think, a definition. I think, I think and if, to me... I think if we read Bhagavad, Bhagavad Gita, yeah. and we were reading about a God in there, we would not assume that he's omnipresent or omnipotent that's a if great we point. didn't... Yeah, we would. I don't I think wouldn't. I wouldn't. That's the definition of what a god is. I guess. I don't think my definition I feel like that's what you're operating off of. That's not I necessarily. I. Okay. No. Yeah. That's that's fair. I guess. Like in my in my like I like growing up reading a lot about Greek mythology and stuff. Those gods did not always know what was going on. They're very humanized. In yeah. A lot they, of ways. Would, they would find out about random shit later and be mad about it and have human reactions and emotions. Uh, yeah, that's maybe partially the way I see gods. Most other cultures, yeah. gods and function like that. That's at least the 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 how I am reading Genesis from. Okay, yeah. Well, and that's probably how we should keep reading the Old Testament because God does make very like human decisions. Petty and yeah. jealous, but and angry. It's worth mentioning though that like I, I exactly. in the case of like the the Bhagavad Gita, like if uh, like Krishna shows up, I would assume Krishna's omnipotence because my understanding of like that religion is that Krishna is part of Brahman. And that is omnipotence. Mm -hmm. And in the same case of the Bible, like the like Yahweh is everything. He is like the top of the ladder. And so it's assuming a definition of God, but to me it's a reasonable assumption about the definition that God is So you're so you're coming at this, I guess I guess again you have been our voice of Christianity. But I guess you are coming at, at this from a Christian perspective. Yeah, if I'm gonna worship yeah. this guy, he better be the top of the ladder. Yeah. Pick the best. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I would argue with you just for the sake of argument here and say that. <laughs> I love the sake of arguments. <laughs> I'll it's, a argument. <laughs> it's a good argument. It's a good sake, right? I will legit yeah. put bone with that after she, yeah, go she, ahead. she has an argument for argument. <laughs> go, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. <laughs> if we are going to read Harry Potter. Mm. And gosh, I wish I didn't have to <laughs> take this all the way down to this most basic level, but I do. I don't think that we would, even though they're wizards, assume things about their wizardry. And I think our goal of, of reading this book was to was to read it like a literary text. So we're not going to assume that the wizards can, for example, make fire. Like, with their bare hands. We're going to wait until they tell us that they have the ability to make fire. And for me, reading this right here, right now, I know that he's created everything. But I don't know that I would make the leap reading this just as a literary text that he is omnipotent. I only know that he is a creator. I, I'm going to disagree with that. And here's why. Because when you read a book and the book uses a word... You make assumptions about what that word means based upon previous understanding of the word. 
Okay. When I hear the word wizard, if I was reading Harry Potter for the first time, I would make assumptions that wizards use magic. I would not make the assumption that wizards need a wand to use magic. Because, as far as I'm aware, wizards are just entities that use magic. Absolutely. So I would continue reading that book, even though the book has given me no reason to believe that they don't need a wand. Mm-hmm. Assuming that they don't need a wand until the book told me these wizards can't make fire without a wand. I guess then we're operating in different ways. Like, yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't. A... We wouldn't be making those assumptions. Whereas you would make assumptions until they're proven wrong. Yeah, that's. I think yeah, my goal. That's, a, that's yeah. a good thing to know, though, going forward. Yeah. My yeah. goal from this, being that I don't have much knowledge of the Bible, is especially to go into it not assuming anything. Like I came into this with as little assumption as possible because I don't know what happens for the rest of the book. Sure. So I'm not going to make this really like defining assumption about the book because it hasn't told me anything to, to give me the, any reason to directly have this assumption. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And so that's just like, from my standpoint, that's why I wouldn't assume omnipotence at this point, because all that I know that the God can do is create things. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and and I'm not interpreting it 100% as God's omnipotence, omnipotence, and omnipresence. Mm -hmm. But it's worth thinking of it that way as a way of interpreting the story because that is a definition of God. So it's just God is a supreme being. Mm -hmm. The definition of God is the top of the ladder. So I actually looked up out of curiosity, like the definition of God as defined by a dictionary. So I looked up God with capital G. And this is what... Give us the dictionary. I've got you the Oxford Dictionary definition of God. Let's do it. Uh, As a noun, the first definition, in Christianity and other monotheistic religions, the creator and ruler of the universe and source of all moral authority, the supreme being. Yeah, it does say supreme being. I mean, so I could, I could get, behind, I could see source of, of all defense. moral authority. Well, okay. I think so. That is there really... a second definition of God? Because there that is. is in the context of monotheism. Yeah. So, so I'm the curious, second definition. Because we are looking at this from like a polytheistic perspective as well. Like, so, yeah. The, the pig is bleeding. Like so the pig. second definition starts with in certain other religions as a superhuman being or spirit worshipped as having power over nature or human fortunes, a deity. Michael Jordan's a god. But so, I definitely think that we could argue this all day. And this might be a topic for another podcast, but we should probably bring this fucker home. Oh, yeah. Well, it, I, I think it's worth talking about a little bit because it is a difference in how we're reading the books. Because mm-hmm. I'm reading it as partially God being defined as the top of the food chain. The, the I, way... I, th- I think that's fair. That's how, it, that's how he's, it's, he's been characterized in yeah. this book so far. But it also makes sense, though, to interpret it as you guys are, as God being a character in a story. I think because it's two just valuable I, I think, I think perspectives. Yeah. Absolutely. I think no, that, yeah. like, that's, and that's what I want to clarify. What you're saying is he, he clearly is top dog, top dog in this book. Yeah. He is there at the start. He's creating all this shit. Yeah. It's just the other definition for you that you've put for him, I haven't seen. And it's something also that Lee operated off of, I think, last week. Yeah. Where he... Was also using that, and that's something I wanted to bring up then. I just didn't. I just didn't. Uh, yeah. At the time, I think like I agree with some of your some of your literary analysis in your ideas of omnipotence. I'm just not willing to accept that as my own perspective because I don't know what the limitations of that are. Like obviously, omnipotence is a weird one because there's no limitation on that. But <laughs> like the wizard one, it's easier to make an example out of. Like yeah. 
I would not assume that a wizard needs a wand to do magic in the same way that you wouldn't. But I also wouldn't, I would not assume what kinds of magic or what kinds of spells or whatever it is that the wizard can do. Yeah. Because I'm not going to go around thinking that, you know, Harry Potter can resurrect someone from the dead by <laughs> flipping a coin because he can't do that. That's a necromancer. Well, far more dark, far more difficult. For all the listeners hearing these two polarizing opinions, I want to state my centrist opinion on this. Uh, well, everyone loves moderate. Yeah, man. I'm a real moderate. I ain't no Buttigieg. Fucking Beto. Fuck off, man. I like AK-47s. Um, but here's where I sit with it. I sit with it in the sense of... Everyone who writes their own book as a god is a bit narcissistic. And it all comes from, you know, like, I think about other societies around the same time period who, you know, we've discovered, you know, Sumerian and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and the way it always seems to be is they always depict themselves as the top dog because you kind of, to be a god, you have to assume that position. So my true belief on when I read the text sometimes is, uh, not belief, but maybe my mind wanders to think that, as I said earlier, I think that in a, some ways it's like a god fighting for his people over another god that may be yeah. of a slightly lesser rank. Or maybe, uh, you know, this god has a bit of authority over this other god. So I kind of tend to think, because I think a lot of times the flaw of this is when we read the Torah, we're focused on the Jewish people, when we read the, you know, uh, when we read the each book that defines to each group of people, we tend to forget that other groups of people exist at the same time and have complex beliefs of their own. So I feel like it's one of those things where, just as I said, it's a matter of whose snake is bigger and who's fighting who. Can I ask you? Whose snake is bigger? Yes. Can I ask you a question about your moderate belief? Yeah. So, talking about Luke's definition of omnipotence, do you, in this scenario, God? Well, your definition of God involving omnipotence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you believe that the top snake is omnipotent and the bottom snake is middle snake is not, or do you think like are my personal beliefs or from the text? No, no, your line. Like, I'm just curious. Like, are you reading this as all gods are omnipotent? Are you reading it as some gods are omnipotent? No Uh, gods are omnipotent. I think how I view it as is I believe personally. I think I've said it before. I believe in deities. I believe in multiple deities that exist in the universe. And some of them have a far greater insight into the future. Some have a greater insight into the past. And I would suppose some have an insight into both. But I don't think necessarily, in my personal belief, that that's a particularly unique part of it. I think the particularly unique part is that he claims to have created both the heavens and the earth. That he has claimed okay. to create both spectrums of reality. Yeah, I, Mo- Some gods yeah. only control one thing. Like, some gods create the moon, some gods create the sun. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that would probably separate him from other gods that have been written about is the fact that he, he is master of both earth and sky. Yeah, well, yeah. In, yeah in, a, in, a lot of, in a lot of cultures and religions, they have generally, even in the polytheistic the ones, up. they have, like, some big... Guy, or like, and then the, the little ones. Snake, yeah, like the biggest yeah, snake. like in but, Greek, in Greece, Greek Oranos, the sky, like he made like basically all the big things, and then Gaia helped create, like the Earth helped create, like a lot of the other. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think they're administrative spirits, though. I think, for instance, God <laughs> Yahweh is an administrative spirit. Bureaucracy. There's a deistic bureaucracy. <laughs> yes. You think Yahweh is a bureaucrat? He's well, gotta be at least. Well, yeah, no, God created the rules. God has God. nine tiers of angels. You know he's a bureaucrat. Later, spoiler alert, wow. he downsizes a third of his fleet. Yeah. That's really okay. far down in the book, though. All right, All right, 
downsizing. Oh my let's, god. Uh, let's let's finish this up. Yeah, we we I, we will definitely I think have an episode about the philosophy behind what God is defined as. Yo, that's gonna be a but yeah, going for because I am not satisfied with those fucking definitions. I'm still yeah, hungry. Yes, I'm and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, go, going forward though. Going forward though, it's worth it's worth saying that. Uh, there will be an interpretation of this as God as a character, mm-hmm. and Haley and Alex have made a case for that. And there will be an interpretation from a Christian or religious perspective of God yes. being truly omnipotent, omnipresent, and omnipotent, and I made a case for that. Mm-hmm. Both of those we will probably be talking about. Yes. So let's keep on going. And Go also, ahead, also we will have further perspectives of many, many types of Christians, uh, non-Christians, and other people that can read English. <laughs> Words. Low, low barrier of entry in this basement. Great start. Great start. Uh, and that, that is not from any xenophobic point of view. <laughs> it's simply because it'll help communication. But because we speak English. Yeah, yeah. You guys I mean, speak English? Okay. No way, me too. They say I'm bilingual, bro. They, they say bilingual? Com- <laughs> if you say bilingual, it sounds like you're really not speaking one of the languages correctly. It's like you know bilingual. half of each. And the Lord God said, Behold. Mm. The man is become as one of us um. to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Come on. Therefore, the God, Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherub- cherubims. And a flaming sword, which turned every way, Great. to keep the way of the tree of life. Wow. You're making me sweat over oh here. Oh wow. gosh. The tree of life, not this again. I actually did not see that ending. Inter-sacred geometry. Inter-sacred geometry, people. Inter-sacred. Okay. So, I, before we jump in, I want to explain what cherubim are. Do you guys mind? Naked mind. Naked with cherubs? Yeah. It does. Naked baby angels. They're, they're not naked babies, though, in the world of Christianity. Well, they are in the world of Christianity, but uh, there's like... Yeah. So cherubim is a four-winged angel. Um, mm. Oh. And it is... Uh, they're, they're the warrior class of angels. I, I briefly mentioned as a joke that there are nine tiers of angels. I think I think there's nine. I'll fact check that uh, next time we talk about no, it. No, there's... When yeah, we get this uh, trailer, we're going to start getting so many emails so about the inaccuracies. They are, there, well, there are three groupings of the nine tiers, and at the top of the three groupings, there are seraphim and the thrones. I've heard mm-hmm. of seraphim before. Seraphim are the top dogs. Yeah. Uh, and they have six it's wings. It's in a lot of songs. It's in a lot of hymns. They talk about seraphim. I think I might have seen it on 4chan. Cher- cherubim, though, are the warrior class of angels. The thrones are below them, and they are spinning rings of eyeballs. Uh, and then Seraphim. The, what? Is this the first mushrooms? I'm not fucking around, Mushrooms dude. in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Is this, <laughs> is this the first, like, part of the book that kind of mentions angels? This is the first mention of angels at all. Um, but the reason they're guarding it is because they're with a warrior class. Four wings, though. Um, two to cover their legs and two to cover their eyes. Uh, so, no. Two to cover their eyes and two to fly, I think. But, um... But yeah, that's uh, that's what they do. They're the warrior class God created. They're they're meant to they're meant to fight against unholy shit. But that's what they do. The, the, the first part of this seemed very strange to me, where he, he says it sounds like, like it sounds like he's saying it sounds like he he's accepting that 
that this is the natural transition for man to make. I made him in my kind image, of, and I have to deal with kind, it. Well, kind kind of like the what what you were what you were operating from earlier, where it was like he knew all this was going to happen. Yeah. And this is him saying, "Okay, now the sto- now story is closed. He has become like one of us." But then it's but then it says all this stuff about like if he ate from this tree of life, it'd be good. And then he's like, "Okay, bye. <laughs> Get out yeah. the garden." Now yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna send my warrior angels to guard. See you later. See ya. Make, okay, make yeah. Mind, so, make so, so from harsh. The, from from the way, from what's going on in here, from like uh, like his his historic history wise, I guess. Uh, what we had talked about in previous chapters, where he knows good and evil, and God kind of admits at the beginning of this that he's become like us, and it's that us again. Um, yeah. So the the assumption to make and that this this kind of lets us make is that God is eaten from both trees. To become God, you are both immortal and you know good and evil. Um, or he created trees to be like him. That if you that if, that if you eat eat from them, huge misunderstanding in the Bible. Trees remain in his image. We see <laughs> any, him really. Does, does anyone uh, perhaps have any sort of symbolism or metaphor that you guys would see for the flaming sword? Ooh, yes. Which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. I, I do. Yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. I imagine the flaming sword kind of represents God's ambition in his creation. Because I've kind of always sensed since the beginning that this is almost experimental for God. I mean, essentially, he's created a mini version of himself that can rapidly reproduce and it lives in the third dimension. I could imagine the sword means, like, the part of him that is in man. So I have an interesting one. To me, um, the rotating or revolving sort of fire, like if you, I like thinking about it like a clock. Mm. That's kind of what I was picturing. I kind of am thinking of it like the hands of a clock rotating. Or sundial. Uh, Yeah, or sundial or whatever. And to me, that kind of reads like revolving sword of fire like like time yeah i don't know i'm getting some getting some like forever the sun maybe yeah so i can see that just, <laughs> this might be wild the axis Ooh. Or, or tilted axis oh, and so those man. people were pretty mathematically advanced they were pretty let me astute. let me jump in real quick it's, this is it's not super related but i just found the verse um chapter 2 verse 16 and the Lord God commanded uh, commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. He does not say that the tree of life is off limits. He says later... Um, no, we, t- we talked about they ate from the, the tree. Garden. Yeah, they yes. ate from the tree yeah. of life before the they, tree of no- the good and evil. They did live forever. They did live forever. There is no question of immortality. They were allowed to eat from the tree of life. It was like a one or the other When they committed the sin, the original sin, um, immortality was taken away from them. That makes sense. Um, Imagine, though, if they had had eaten eaten from the tree of good and evil, quickly, you know, figured out good and evil. Yeah. Big ideas, but if they quickly got to it, (laughs) went quickly to the tree of life, got kicked out of the garden, but they'd already... I don't think it works like that. I think the way that my understanding of the tree of life works is that you're constantly eating from the tree of life because I think they've already eaten from the tree of life. So I don't think it's like take one bite of the apple and you're immortal like the good and evil tree. I think it's you're constantly eating from the tree of life and you're immortal. It's like brushing your teeth. 
That sounds, well, even that if sounds you like touch a drug. It, yeah. That sounds like an addiction. So much. Yeah. The touch. So let's just go over it again to chapter 3, verse 22. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Yep. Never Challenge this happened. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. So, yours, yours kind of put that characterization with a not, like a negative, like, oh, he shall not. Mine, is, mine, yeah. mine, mine didn't. Yeah, this is my, my said, and now lest he put forth his hand, and t- and take also of the tree of life and eat, and live forever. Mine poses it as a question. Oh, interesting. What if he now should reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat and live forever? Never can this happen. Scourge. So. See, why, why would more fear? Yeah, that yeah, was scared. Why, why would an om- omnipotent God even have to like wonder? Yeah, like like question yeah. question. That's one so, thing that I, that's a problem I have with that translation is a lot of times God asks questions. And if you wrote that book for Christians, if you wrote this translation for Christians, you shouldn't be depicting God asking questions because it's. The more that I read this book, the more that I imagine it as kind of like a starter Bible. Yes. yes. <laughs> that, like, indoctrinates you into the ideas without like giving you all of it all at once. And like it adds in some weird things that make you go. What? I would want to read another Bible to see this written down. In a like, different way? Yeah. Like, yeah. it kind of reads as, like, almost like a preteen Bible where, like, yeah, yeah. You, the words, the language is severely, like, diminished, which makes it easier to understand. Mm-hmm. The ideas are posed in some different ways occasionally. Especially questions where, like, the, yeah. the, the person doesn't have to. Yeah. The more that I they read don't this, actually, yeah. uh, they, they, they are not being told what to think as often. They're more being, they're more being, they're more seeing God asking questions and ask to, like, ask to, like, form their own opinions about it, but then told what the opinion should be with an answer to the question that they just asked. I don't know if y'all have ever been to, like, an old school Lutheran or old school Catholic church, but it's a very much a call response thing where they read a question in scripture and then the entire mass all in unison answers the question like yes thy will of god be done like you know what i mean after each of those questions so i think wow. it has some a little bit to do with call response in a lot of areas that makes more sense yeah, that does you know, make because a lot maybe because then you could trust. use the bible yeah. in the context of preaching yeah and it gives you more opportunities to ask questions like that that yeah, that might make sense response. to add yeah no if and you've I, ever been I, to lutheranism or catholicism you'll see that all the time. i wonder if if many yeah. of the people that are that are using the message are using it in group settings they're probably using it that way that's yeah. what i imagine because at the time reading wasn't a private activity at very few well i mean not at the time well i imagine when this first was written. 2002 you're talking about like 18 years ago <laughs> 18 years ago man the literacy rate was <laughs> low it's low i mean we were just getting out of clinton we were just getting into bush i mean okay. you know <laughs> this seems like a good place to yeah well uh, to let's, wrap it up yeah here. let's uh we're at two hours now well he did promise this will get cut down yeah honey. He yeah, did. and uh, the promised well, life of wandering okay. around. You know. We're, spoiler <laughs> alert! Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up then. That's yeah. there's there's a lot of interesting shit that happens in this chapter, Jesus. and we almost went into chapter four, but thank God we didn't. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. goodness uh, we decided to. <laughs> yeah, honestly, this was a huge discussion. Hope we didn't offend anyone. All of this was done yeah. out of love, humor. in love, and in humor. Yeah. Uh, As we like to say around here, we'd make dick jokes about Shakespeare if that's what we were reading. Yeah. Yes. yes. 
to we'll continue the saga of God, Eve, Adam, and their children, which we'll meet oh, next episode. Little ones yes, and yes, yes. All right. Yeah, we'll definitely be continuing this analogy of agriculture and civilization. So keep that on your mind. Yes, and as a last point, uh, for any Harry Potter fans out there, we, we are we are aware that magic can be done without wands. It was just a analogy. We were I think using. everybody at this table has read Harry Potter. I've read Harry Potter and not the Bible, so. Yeah. Whatever that means to yeah. Harry Potter fans. So you're I'm a just, fucking Satanist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> that's dark, baby. And that's a good place to end it. Yeah. You're a fucking uh, Satanist. God you heard it here first. <laughs> and I love Satan. Okay. Go Bernie. And I beat till I fucking die. <laughs> Go Bernie. Yeah, yeah. All right. Vote uh, Bernie. All right. Go Bernie. Feel the burn. Feel the burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.